BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Wind to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. We have a very cool guest on today. But before we get there, it is time for a community question. Uh, this one is from Rachel. She says, quote, I recently read your book and really enjoyed it. I find myself in a bit of a reverse situation of what is highlighted in the text and was wondering if you might have any advice for me. I'm a 26-year-old living in L.A. that moved from the East Coast after college to pursue my dream of producing movies. Recently, after about four years on this path, I found that I no longer feel passionate or have the conviction that I still want to continue on this path. I find myself no longer enjoying the process of putting films together and disenchanted by the arbitrary nature of the industry. Since this has always been my passion, I'm struggling to identify alternate careers to segue into. Is there any advice you have for figuring out my next steps now that I'm fairly confident that following my former passion is no longer what I care to do? That is a really good question and I think is more common than folks uh, might imagine. We tend to think of jumps as black or white. I'm going to go into entertainment or food or fashion and if it's not what it's cracked out to be, I need to leave entertainment or food or fashion. So what I would say to do, which is pretty pretty straightforward and, and basic, but I would say get a piece of paper and literally draw a T, a line down it, and then at the top of that line down it, a line across. And on the left side of the T, write you know, things that I like about what I'm doing. So for Rachel, it would be like things that I like about working on movies. And then on the other side, it would be all the things you don't enjoy. Uh, Rachel brought up the arbitrary nature of the business. That's a huge point. And if you can dump everything on that piece of paper between those two buckets of things I like that I'm doing and things that I don't like, I think you can do two things. One, you can see, is this industry as a whole not something I'm interested in? And two, if it's not something that I'm interested in, what should I go to? So let's say what comes out of this T exercise is that you know you actually love telling stories. That is the only reason you've found yourself for four years trying to hustle in the entertainment world. That's why you're in LA. Well, if you love telling stories, you can see yourself going into other industries where you can tell stories. And that's all you can do. And you can do it in a merit-based environment, maybe even more so than entertainment. Now, I don't know Rachel personally, but that could be the easiest way to start thinking of other industries is to say, what do I like in what I'm doing? And where else can I do just that thing? that might not have the baggage of the cons that I found myself in with this industry. Now, let's go to the second part. You start to drill down on what you don't like about the industry on that second column in the T point. And what you find is it's actually just that fact, as Rachel mentioned, that it's arbitrary in who goes forward to produce movies. But if you look at the picture as a whole, you actually really like the entertainment industry. You like working with creative people. You like telling stories. There's a lot still there that you want to pursue. You might be jumping, but not necessarily leaving the entire industry. And I think that's a great segue to the next guest. 
Her name is Kathy Heller. She is also from Los Angeles. Kathy had dreams of being a musician. You know, similar to Rachel, it was producing movies for Rachel. For Kathy, it was, I need to become a musician and become Beyonce or else there's nothing else. What's fascinating about Kathy's jump is that, A, it didn't work out. If you haven't heard of Kathy, it's because maybe she didn't become Beyonce in that way. You know, Kathy didn't leave the music world. She actually thrived in it, but she made a jump within the industry. Now, you may not know Kathy Heller by name, but the chances are you've listened to her music. The most popular commercials out today use Kathy's music. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Kathy Heller. All right. Well, Kathy Heller, thank you so much for joining the When to Jump podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's really nice of you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to dig into your story. It's not one we've heard uh, on the show before, and it's one that involves music. Has that always been a big part of your life? Um, yeah, it was always sort of like the thing I did for healing, like not knowing it, you know, like four or five or 12 it's just where I would go to sort of find some peace of mind, you know, or feel good somehow, feel better. Yeah. Was it singing in the shower? Was it strumming guitar? Tell us a little bit about the uh, earliest signs of music. I mean, my mom's a piano teacher, and so there was always music in the house, and I was always taking lessons, and I was always sort of like with, a, you know, a, um, a pad and paper and pen, like writing lyrics down. I thought that all little kids were writing songs. It was just kind of like something I did. And I thought everybody did that. And then when I went to college, I thought, oh, I guess I'm going to study something like real and like get like a job. Um, <laughs> but when I went to college, I was just sort of more interested in figuring out like, why are we on the planet and why is there so much suffering in the world? Um, my parents had a really uncomfortably hard marriage and eventually got divorced when I was in high school and my mom suffered from a lot of like really intense depression and it was hard to watch her really like spin out of control and my dad was like busy you know off with new people and I felt really sort of caught in all that and nothing really felt like it had meaning and so it felt really hard to just like breathe in and out every day and when I went to college I was like I just want to know, like, why are we on the planet? Like this, everyone's suffering. Everyone's in so much pain. People are so unfulfilled. So I just started taking classes in like philosophy and religion. And I became like a humanities major and just studied like Southeastern Asian religion and, and Jewish mysticism. I just like studied stuff that was interesting. And when I graduated from college, I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. I still love music. I didn't know how the heck that would become like a career um, I went to Jerusalem for this like spiritual summer and I stayed there for three years and like got really like, I don't know, zenned out and learned how to meditate and just like found my feet on the ground walking in sandals on like ancient stones and almost stayed there forever and then felt like I really wanted to do something to help people with their own suffering because I know what it's like to suffer and our minds suffer all the time, which is so unfortunate, but that's what minds do. So I was like, I want to do the singing thing. I'm going to figure it out. And so with my batteries sort of charged, I came to LA, not knowing a soul, not having a trust account, not having a, a parent really around, um, no emotional support, no financial support, just like moved here, got a job on Craigslist, got an apartment and then tried to get a job in the music industry. 
Which is totally rare for people who move to LA, right? Oh yeah, I'm like the only one. <laughs> yeah. So you come to LA, you don't have, like you said, financial, emotional support. No. You've, you're coming in hot from Jerusalem, yeah. which sounds like a that was cool. pretty f- yeah, full-on experience, yeah. to say the least. It was good. And what's, what's the first thing you do? So I got a job, you know, like I just looked on Craigslist, got a job, got an apartment. Um, I guess the first thing I did was actually look for an apartment and then I was like, okay, I need to be able to pay the bills. And I got a job. I got a roommate, found somebody through like somebody else. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. We just moved in together. She was an actor. Um, and we kind of just like set sail on this adventure. And, um, and so the only thing I knew about working in the music business was getting a record deal. And this is what some of the hard stuff is for people where as you grow up, there's certain things that are modeled for you. Like you've seen a doctor, you've seen a realtor, you've seen an accountant, you've seen a lawyer, you've seen a teacher, but there's a million other non-conventional ways to make a living. Like you're about to go to your fourth continent, you're speaking around the world, you've played squash, now you're helping people really make those like big leaps. That's a job. That was probably never modeled for you, but that is a job and it's an amazing way to make a living. And so I now try to teach people like how you can figure out what your strengths are and what your skills are and what you really want to contribute and how to make a full-time living doing the thing that's really your dream job, which is why my podcast is called Don't Keep Your Day Job. It's like, let's find out what you're really here for because I'm sure that there's so much room for everybody to do that thing, whether it's pottery, sewing, weaving, speaking, um, Reiki, uh, teaching something, um, finding your tribe. I, I mean, teaching sour, how to make sourdough bread. You could make a whole career out of that. So there's so many ways and we just don't have it modeled. So when I came out to LA, I thought, okay, it's either I become Beyonce or there won't be anything else. So I just tried to get a record deal and I just started to like put all my resourcefulness into that. And that's the thing is people say, you know, like, well, I'm doomed. I don't have a father paying the bills. I don't have a mother giving me money for rent. I don't have the right context. I don't have the time. And it's like, well, it's, it's none of those things. The only thing you need is your own resourcefulness and your resourcefulness is everything. You know, if you can have the persistence, if you can have the humility, if you can look inside and really try to have the self-awareness of what you're great at and what the feedback is you're getting and you're willing to hone your craft, you can do anything. So there are no excuses. Um, it's just about, you know, really taking full, full responsibility and and being accountable. And I've always had to do that because I had so much chaos in my house. My mom was barely surviving the day. I couldn't really, you know, there wasn't a choice. So I just learned to be a problem solver, which was really helpful in a lot of ways and really hard too. But, um, I, I was like, I'll be, I'll reverse engineer this. So I guess to get a record deal, I should probably write music and then write better music and better music until finally I write really good music. And then I should try to get it to the right people. And I should probably try to figure out how I'm going to research who are those people who are the A&R people, who are the people at labels? How can I get through? How could I break through the noise? How could I write an email that would be somewhat genuine and let them know that I'm like really working hard and solve their problems you know, successful people look for how to solve problems, not necessarily for handouts. So I was working really hard and I got a record deal. And then 
I got dropped from that label and then I got another record deal. And that these things took time. Like the first one took me like three years while working a day job, trying to find the time after work to write a song, to make the song, to record the song, to make it better, to write another one, to finally write 12 and then pick the best three and then finally take those three and then try to get that meeting with that person and then get that other meeting with the person. And this one said no. And then I finally get into this person and I finally got a record deal and I was at a label and I was working with Interscope and I was there and I had really like fancy meetings and I was there when Lady Gaga was recording paparazzi I was in the studio and they were like what do you want from Starbucks Kath and I was like the new blood the new person they were about to you know release a record from and then they dropped me they dropped the the record they said really kindly you know we're gonna be honest like we're not sure we're gonna market it we don't know for sure if people will buy it it's not quite pop it's not quite folk it's not quite acoustic it's kind of somewhere in the middle and I don't know for sure if it's a radio hit so they dropped the record and I went back to another day job and then I tried to get another label deal I got offered another label deal I was like talking working meeting with people at Atlantic Records and then that fell apart and then I thought okay that's it it's not gonna happen and so I just thought that I would have to find another thing to do with my life and so I started looking at what else I could do and so I took a real estate class and got a real estate license and then I took an interior design class and then I taught preschool and then I worked for an oncologist and then I worked in a casting office and then I got like a like this yoga teacher training course under my belt I did everything and I spent two and a half years trying other careers and feeling like a fraud because I wasn't being myself and I started to feel miserable and like I wasn't me and so I was like there must be a way to do something else in music does it have to be either you're like selling out stadiums and you're making millions of dollars selling records or nothing can't there be something else and so what you seek is seeking you and I started to seek that like is there another way and then I found with like within weeks that there was this thing called licensing music where people were writing songs and then taking those songs and licensing their songs to TV shows like Grey's Anatomy at the time that was big and One Tree Hill was a show that was big at the time and they were licensing their songs to to ads like for Target and for Old Navy and for the iPad commercial and they were making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and they were indie artists who were not selling out stadiums and I thought oh my god why don't I just put my focus on that and so I did and I worked really hard to figure out well like What songs are they looking for? Well, how could I figure that out? Well, I could listen to the last 10 episodes of Grey's Anatomy and see what songs were used. And there's probably a playlist already written by some fan on YouTube. I could probably just listen to the song. Oh yeah, there's like 15 ways to just hear the songs without watching the show. Oh my God, I could go to YouTube and watch the last 10 Coke ads and just find out who those artists are. And then, oh my God, I started making playlists and downloading songs from iTunes and understanding like these are the people who are licensing their songs. Wow, I've never heard of these artists. Oh my God, their music is actually cool. Oh, these aren't jingles. Oh, these songs are amazing. Oh, these songs tell stories. Oh, there's four stories that keep getting told. I'll be there for you. You can do this. We will overcome Oh, and for ads, it's all positivity. It's all like, yes, this is the best. Let's go to Target. Oh my God, what a party. I'm an individual. Let's let's break the rules. And I was like, oh, well, I have those stories to tell and I'll just figure out how to authentically tell my version of those stories. And so I really put my sort of intention on that. And then I was like, who's going to produce the songs? Oh, I'll look up who produced those other songs for indie artists and I'll reach out to those producers. And oh yeah, some people say no. 
and don't respond. And oh my God, this one producer just said he'd meet with me. And oh my God, now we're making a record. And oh, he knows exactly what it should sound like from a sonic sound like palette. And I know what the lyrics and the melodies should be because I've been a songwriter for years. And now I know like what these directors and producers are looking for for these projects. So we wrote a record and every song got licensed, every song. And I, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, every song. And then I wrote another one and every song got licensed. And we made like 200 grand and then 300 grand. And I was doing it every year. And I was like buying myself cool jeans and driving a nice car and eating sushi and feeling like I was on top of the world because I just got to go to, I was like playing with Play-Doh all day long. Like that was my version of Candyland. I was in the studio all day long being paid more than like my boyfriend, who's now my husband, but he was my boyfriend then. He's a lawyer. And I was like, I'm making more than you? This is insane. And so I was like, oh my God, this is it. I've arrived. And then I was like, wait, there must be more. What else? How else? Where else? How else can I serve? Can I make more happen? Can I contribute more? And so I thought, well, maybe I should reach out to like magazines, like maybe Billboard magazine would think this is a cool story, like how this indie artist like did this completely on her own and reached out to the supervisors at shows and pitched them her own music and walked into their office and brought them coffee and was very persistent and very polite and found a way to balance that and make friends and sell her music. And so I reached out to like hundreds of magazines and I wouldn't send like a blanket email. I'd send like a personalized email like, hey, my name's Kathy. You know, um, I love to, you know, read these kinds of books and I'm working on being a better meditator when I'm not meditating. Um, I write songs and here's a link to one of them and I hope that it's something you like. And then they would click on the link and be like, oh, she did her homework. She actually listened to the show. She knows what we need. Um, People always say like, well, what is the music supervisor of that show, of that ad? What do they like? And it's it's kind of like, it's irrelevant. It's like, what do they need, right? Because sometimes there's really cool music, but they can't use it. They like it, but they can't use it. It's, it's really about solving their problem. Like they have a long day. They've also got a dog that has to go to the vet. It's like, how do I get them what they need? So I would always anticipate what they needed instead of saying, can you listen to a demo and tell me what you need? And then people don't write back. So I think that they would be pleasantly surprised when the songs were good. Anyway, the the magazine started to like write articles about me that were like full page stories. And I was like featured on like a full page article with a picture in Billboard, oh, you know, wow. and Billboard and Variety and the LA Weekly and Music Connection magazine and the cover of the USA Today music section. And people wrote stories about this girl who was like just doing it on her own. Then the next thing came, which was, hey, Kathy, I'm an artist. I just read about you and I'd get an email. Could you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? I started getting all these emails from artists. And so I had a really fragile sense of what an ego is. And I was like, I'm an artist. I can't also be an agent. I can't also be a teacher. I'm just one thing. I thought, wait, can't I also be many other things? I was like, maybe I'll start an agency. Maybe I'll help other artists. Oh, no, that's too scary. Um, that my ego was like, oh no, but then people won't take you seriously as an artist because then you'd be something else. I was like, well, I'm just going to say yes to this. It took me like a year and a half to say yes to something that was like banging down my door. And then I started to help other artists. I opened an agency and we helped other artists get like, you know, amazing things happening. And they made like six figures and they were so happy. And then 
other people were asking me and I'd get so many emails. Can you listen to this song? Can you listen to this song? What do you think? What do you think? And I was like, I think I should start a course. So I didn't know how the heck I would start a course. I didn't know the first thing about it. And I was like, I'm just going to do it on the side. And then I started it and I just, that kind of worked out. And then I um, started an online course and I was like, oh God, I have to learn the online world. I don't know anything about this. And then I started this online class and that online class made like, that class made like a million dollars in the first year. And oh my gosh. Yeah, it was. Oh my God. It was insane. I was like, wow. And I was only talking to like, you know, 800 songwriters out of all the songwriters in the world. It was like just a few and they loved it. And then they started to make things happen. And then that was amazing. Like I'd see this person crying, like this isn't just music, Kathy. This is like what I feel makes me happy. And I don't want to be a barista my whole life. And boom, they'd get an ad for Starbucks for $55,000. And they'd say, you've changed my life. Like I get to be myself now. And then, um, and this is where the story sort of like, arrives at now uh somebody in my class said you should start a podcast this is a year and a half ago and my i have three kids and um my youngest was three weeks old and i said fine i'll do that on the side and i started a podcast to help people find their dream jobs and hustle and align with what they're good at and the the podcast really took off and the podcast just grew and now i mean it's crazy like we're we're doing so well and it's such a blessing and I feel very grateful for it and I don't understand it sometimes and I just try to serve the people who are kind enough to listen to my podcast. So nice of them. And Gosh. we've interviewed, we've interviewed amazing people and I'm writing a book and that's it. And now I'm working that's on it. the next thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And your music, for those who don't know, I mean, it's it's everywhere. Can you name some of the places and spots that you, you broke into and, and, and get to represent and be a part of? Yeah. I mean, I've had songs of mine, I mean, as recently as last week, I just licensed another song. Um, I, I have songs of mine that are in like McDonald's ads and Walmart ads and KFC ads. And I also had songs of mine. I just wrote the theme song to a Netflix show, which I'm also singing just over the weekend. I was writing something for DreamWorks. I have written songs for TV shows like Criminal Minds and Parks and Rec and The Office and Switched at Birth, which is, was on uh, uh, Freeform, which is ABC Family. And I've written songs for movies like um, there was a movie called Southpaw um, with... Um, Jake Gyllenhaal and I uh, wrote songs for that and I've written um, several of the American Girl doll movies I've written songs for which my kids find awesome when we walk into the American Girl doll store and then my songs are oh, you hear me singing like in the store and they think I'm cool um, and I've written songs for Disney and Hasbro and um, uh, Crate and Barrel and Keurig Coffee and uh, we've helped artists of ours get their songs placed in T-Mobile and Petco and Living Spaces and Chico's and we do like 30 ads a year and lots of TV stuff. We just had four songs on a show called Younger. Um, you know, we do promos for ABC and NBC and um, American Airlines and I mean, we do, Jeez, yeah, a lot of crazy. stuff like that. I mean, you you jumped away and then and then here you are jumping back like from trying other things and being like, no, what makes me happy is music and here you are like creating not just a niche but like a whole industry and being uh being a leader in it for for people who are like you, you said i don't want to be you know waiting tables or serving coffee i want to be making music yeah, exactly. and this is a very different way that you can and that's just so cool what i've learned is 
there's four ways to make a living doing what you love. And when you apply sort of like your passion to some of this practical stuff, you can get out from under this like conventional put me in a box kind of thing and you can be happy. You can. What are the well? What are the four ways? You can't just leave us hanging. Okay. Well, the four ways are this. So you could be. I'll I'll tell you the four things and I'll explain what they are. So you could be a maker. You could be a teacher. You could be a curator, or you could be an investigator. And this is just from looking at all of the data. Like I've done, you know, sixty-five interviews, and I've lived my own life and tried my own hand at lots of different things, and like really look back at like what are the through lines of everything I've learned and everything I've witnessed. And so this is what I've observed. So you could be the maker. That's pretty straightforward. Like you're either, you know, you're the squash player, you're the you're the pottery maker, you're the songwriter, you're the dancer. That's the maker, the person doing the thing okay right. the second one is you're the teacher okay so maybe you don't want to make pottery you want to teach how to make pottery you just love that's what you love you love teaching like or you're not a songwriter but you like songwriting but you love teaching songwriting okay so that's a teacher you could be, make a whole living teaching um and the third thing is a really fun one which is the curator like there are some people who are like I don't know like i'm not necessarily a jewelry maker i don't know if i want to teach jewelry but i could curate some pretty amazing jewelry like I could make a website where I have like I know wh what are the best like 10 you know best jewelry makers in Manhattan or in Brooklyn or on you know in Los Angeles or across the U.S. or in the lower you know in in southern France and I could like put a website together of like the most beautiful jewelry and the fourth way so I said maker teacher curator the fourth way is being an investigator like there are people who they want to spend their whole life talking about shoes. They don't want to make shoes. They don't want to teach you how to make shoes. And they don't want to curate shoes. They just want to talk about it. So they could create a blog. They could create a podcast. They could create, they could write a book on it. I learned that those are the only, those are the four ways. And um, I'm now soon to, I'm rolling out a course soon on like helping people self-identify which one they are and then helping you know what few steps to take because I stepped back and realized that I do all four of those things. Like, I'm a maker, I still write music, and that's me being the maker. I teach it, right? I teach songwriters like what it is to do to like really hit hit the mark and, and make your songwriting right. amazing. And then I curate. I have an agency where we have, you know, 65 artists and we help get their music to the right people on the other side for TV, film, ads. And then my investigator part of me is my podcast. And there are ways to really make like, I mean, a blow your mind living doing any one of those things. But then there's other pieces that come into play that you kind of have to do to know, okay, well, how do I succeed at those? Yeah. It's like what you said. People think that it's kind of full, like the, the internet is full of this. And like if people just did what they wanted to do and more of it, I think the world would be a better place. Amen to that. That's absolutely true. You know, there's there's no reason to, you know, just suffer in so for so long. And I think we just there's not a lot that's modeled. And I love how you put it. Like, you know, there's more letters in the alphabet than A and B. It's really simple. It's really true. Um, I think one of the keys, though, is this like self-awareness piece. And I think we're so busy sort of like thinking about you know okay well what is that thing or where is that thing it's like well I think sometimes we have to get quiet you know and like really kind of like check in like who am I what really gives me meaning like it takes a lot of courage to stop 
And it takes a lot of courage to, to, you know, be in sort of that beginner's mind and really ask a question, this like existential question. Am I really happy? What makes me happy? What is it about me? Like, what, what do I love? And I think the biggest problem is even if you can get quiet and go, okay, no, you're right. Like I am always being told I'm really funny. I probably should write that comic blog or I am. But what, even if you can get quiet, the next big hurdle is that we all have this feeling of inadequacy. And whenever we start anything, there is a learning curve and we will not be perfect right away. And we have to be willing to sit through that beginning, which will be uncomfortable. The first three podcasts probably won't be your best. The first 10 songs probably won't be your best. The first three chapters, they'll probably get better. And and I think you have to tolerate that critical voice inside and tell it to like, you know, kindly leave the room for a little bit and let you play. And then you can bring it in the next day if you want to be hard on yourself again. And you could edit and you can look and try to make things better. But it's sort of, you have to have the strength to be uncomfortable and at the same time, have the self-awareness to look at stuff and keep, you know, figuring out like, okay, well, this is the song I wrote, but what is the world liking and what are they not liking? Like, where is the yes? Okay, well, I have to be humble enough then to work harder on my lyrics because people really say yes to my melody, but the lyrics I'm not getting great feedback on. Or I thought I was a songwriter. I love music. Turns out I'm a much better producer or piano player like it turns out my songwriting is not that great but i'm really into music because i'm good at this other thing well i am so grateful for you to come on the show kathy i know how busy you are it's been tremendous to see your podcast grow and your community blossom and it's an important time more than ever now when we have so many different ways to be distracted that's right uh, that we kind of maintain that silence and and get bored and all those things yeah no that's really true and i um i just want to thank you for having me on i want to thank people for listening up to this point if they stayed in it this long and yeah i think um you know the thing i want to remind people of is that you are so enough you know like and, and there is a reason why you're here. And there's a reason why you sometimes feel like frustrated because you know you have something inside you that you really want to do or express or feel more alive about. And you don't have to feel like it's, it's hopeless. Like I think there's this learned helplessness, but I absolutely believe like you will find your tribe, you will find a way to do it. And if you seek it, it'll find you. So just have the courage to want it really because i think we stop wanting because we're afraid that we'll be disappointed so want it let yourself want it and then take the steps and make a decision to commit to taking those steps because it's all about that decision and then amazing things will happen like just allow for there to be magic you know that's what i would say Kathy Heller, thank you so much for joining me uh, on the When to Jump podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. That was such a kind thing to say. Thank you. All right. That will do it for this episode of the When to Jump podcast. If any of you have questions of your own, you can send them in. You can go to whentojump.com. There's a contact form and you can just shoot it over. We will consider it for a future episode. You can also just email jump at mcmillan.com. Again, that's jump at mcmillan, M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.com. It's always fun to share these questions and and answers with a broader audience because let's face it, these are things we all have faced or may face going forward. So Rachel, thank you for shooting over your question. 
For more on when to jump, you know where to find us at when to jump on Instagram, at when to jump on Twitter, uh, facebook.com forward slash when to jump. Uh, we just closed applications on our second session of Jump Fundamentals. Thank you, all those who have applied. We will get back decisions very soon and get cranking on that. That will do it for the When to Jump podcast. Join us online, when to jump.com, follow us on social, and tune in next week. My name is Mike Lewis. I'll see you then. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.